Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. One hour down, one hour to go, two hours until kickoff. And Buffalo is excited for Bills, Dolphins, and this Bills playoff run. And who better to talk to than Buffalo's own Dave Leventhal, the incoming editor-in-chief at Raw Story. Dave, good morning. Happy game day. Happy game day. Go, go Bills Mafia. I, I, like many other Buffalonians and Western New Yorkers, could not be more excited about the events of today. You know, it, it's been it's been a rough week for me because all I want to do is talk Bills football, but being at a news talk station, sometimes that's not possible. Well, you know, you could always talk about the Sabres, too. Yeah, well, after this week, I'm not sure I... Yeah, I'm not sure that's a positive... <laughs> Fair uh, enough. <laughs> but, uh, Dave, not only a lot going on here in Western New York, but obviously so much going on in Washington, D.C. I've been debating... Now, we're recording this on Friday. I've been debating where to start because that's just how much is going on in D.C. So I flipped a coin, and we will start at the White House and move our way out. And obviously, uh, President Joe Biden, uh, a few documents have been found. There will be a special counsel. Dave, tell us how this has all played out. Yeah, I mean, it's a serious serious situation. It wasn't long ago, of course, that we were talking about the classified documents and secret documents that were found in Mar-a-Lago that uh, Donald Trump had taken there. And you know, here we have a situation that obviously uh, there, there are some uh, serious parallels to, to that as well. Now, there are also a lot of differences, too. Donald Trump uh, and Joe Biden, they, they have told different stories about why those documents are there. But the bottom line is that if you are a former president or a former vice president, you should not be taking classified documents with you when you leave the White House or, or the executive <laughs> office. Uh, and, and as such, uh, it, you know, the White House, at least at this point, is saying, we have nothing to hide. Joe Biden didn't know what was in these documents. We will cooperate. Uh, we, we support a- any investigation going forward. OK, that's fine and well. Uh, but but it, it remains to be seen, number one, what exactly these documents are. But but more importantly, number two, there's going to be a process and there could be consequences, potentially, Joe. And uh, it, it's happening again at a time when also, too, there is a investigation into Donald Trump. So we're going to be hearing a lot about classified documents that have been taken by, by former uh, you know, chief executives or, or second in commands uh, for, for a good long while yet. Now, I know, you know we discussed this process um, a few months ago, but uh, Merrick Garland brings up a special counsel. What is that and, and what will their job be in this investigation? 
Yeah, well, Merrick Garland was appointed by Joe Biden, so it would be a conflict of interest uh, of a serious sort if uh, ultimately this was done within the Justice Department through standard channels. So what happens when there is going to be a conflict of interest or a perceived conflict of interest, or for that matter, the Department of Justice just wants to truly have somebody come in uh, kind of from the outside? and work internally, but but work independently, is they appoint a special counsel. So that person, by law, has the ability to really do just that, uh, conduct an independent investigation that, that isn't going to uh, answer directly to uh, to Merrick Garland or, or internal folks within the Department of Justice in the same way that they would if they were working, uh, you know, basically on the staff and on the payroll of the DOJ. You know, so much going on, Dave, and we, we talk about the documents with Biden, and I just have to ask as an update, there is still the investigation on the documents found at Mar-a-Lago, correct? Absolutely, and uh, both of these uh, processes are going to play out, again, not in days and weeks, but probably months and, and potentially even beyond that. Uh, so they're dealing with the same types of documents in the sense that uh, these were privileged documents that Joe Biden and Donald Trump had by virtue of them being president and a former vice president, respectively. But, uh, yeah, the investigations themselves will determine, number one, why did those documents get there? Or was there obstruction in the case of Donald Trump, where Donald Trump was willfully trying to prevent the National Archives from taking receipt of these documents, from the government getting these documents back? Uh, Or if it was just a a grand mistake. And same thing for Joe Biden. Did he really not know anything about this? Did he know something about this? Why were these documents in his garage in Delaware next to his Corvette? Uh, I mean, it, it's not a good look, uh, even as the White House will, will spin it otherwise. So this is going to be part and parcel of both of these investigations to determine, number one, the, the root cause of why this happened, and number two, whether there was anything untoward or illegal uh, or, or even criminal that happened uh, as a result of this. It's uh, very difficult with the lack of information in both of these cases as to how this is ultimately going to turn out, but that's why you run the investigations and try to do them in a way that doesn't have uh, any more political overtones, as impossible as that may seem, uh, by having a special counsel come in and having independent investigations and investigators to look into it. I uh, have a feeling this won't be the last time we talk documents, but it will be for this interview, Dave. We'll move to Congress, which is, uh, you know, never any controversy going on in Congress. Uh, <laughs> no, no, never, Joe. We'll start with the controversy in Congress and then work our way uh, around the House, and that is with George Santos. Obviously, everyone's heard of George Santos at this point, but Dave, those calls for him to resign aren't only getting louder, they're coming from within his own party. Where do we stand with for now, Congressman George Santos. Well, he is truly betwixt and between in terms of the support or lack thereof that he's getting. You had the Nassau County Republican Party downstate uh, say, get out of there. You, you need to resign. You've had Paul Ryan, the former Speaker of the House, basically say that George Santos ran a, a fraudulent campaign and needs to step away. There have been members of Congress, including a couple in New York, who have already called for him and Republicans, not Democrats, uh, to step away and to resign. But there have been others that have either been silent. House leadership, for one, is uh, basically you know, not calling for George Santos to resign at this juncture. 
And Santos has said, I'm, I'm going to stay. Now, he made a, a weird comment a couple of days ago where he said, well, if 142 people say that I should resign, I'm going to resign. And everyone was scratching their heads saying, well, wait, is that 142 Republican members of Congress? Is it, you know, 142 people sitting on their couch in Topeka, Kansas? I mean, what, what are you talking about? And he never really clarified it. So it's just a, a bizarre situation of, of, the, of the highest extreme. And, and we just keep finding more and more things that he straight up lied about, uh, fabricated, pulled out of thin air. And th- these are not embellishments. The, these are lies by the dictionary definition of what a lie is. Uh, and as a result, it's uh, going to definitely be a cloud over him for the tenure of his term in Congress, but also to to a greater extent, the Republican Party, which has to deal with this guy and uh, e- either support him or or be quiet and not talk about him and, and just let him do his thing, uh, or ultimately, you know, decide that uh, they got to cut him loose or, or tell him that he needs to cut himself loose. Finally, there, there is a process that, that could be gone through, and, and we will likely see this happen with internal ethics investigations. The House has a ethics committee. There have already been multiple complaints made to it, and it is entirely possible that the House Ethics Committee, independent of Republican leadership, could decide that they want to reprimand him in some way. That could be a censure. That could be a reprimand. Uh, That could be something that was even more serious, and this is very rare, but the House has the power to expel members of the U.S. House. You might remember James Traficant from a couple of decades ago who had that fate uh, come down on him because of illegalities that he was involved in. So there's a number of different scenarios here, a number of different ways this could end, but it probably is not going to end all that well for George Santos, uh, at least from what we see at this point. You know, I, I just think of the pressure. You know, earlier in the show, we had Congressman Nick Langworthy, who's also the New York State GOP chair, uh, calling for his resignation. As you mentioned, uh, in downstate, they're calling for his resignation. Have you ever seen someone last that much longer in the political world with so many members of their own party putting that pressure on them? Well, we've really never had a situation, at least in Congress, quite like this, where we're, it, this isn't a little white lie here or there. I mean, it, it's basically just him totally misrepresenting who he is, what he's done, how he did his business, uh, how, how his finances worked out, uh, and his resume, his college degrees. I mean, it, it's it's not like what did George Santos lie about. It's more a matter of what did George Santos not lie about, and and there's not a whole lot on that list. So as a result, uh, this is why it's dominating the headlines, and and why it's not going to go away anytime soon. Particularly as I noted again, it, it literally every day there's something new that is coming out in one form or fashion. So so long as that keeps, uh, you know, Joe being the the standard for George Santos, uh, it, it's not going to be just something that he can hide from or, or let the storm kind of pass over and, and peter out. And every time he says something about anything, uh, immediately everyone's going to be talking about, well, can we even believe this guy? How, how can we believe this guy, given the fact that he's just a serial liar and fabricator, as it's been proven that he is? And staying in Congress, uh, Kevin McCarthy's first full week as Speaker of the House. And there was some bipartisan action on the floor uh, when it came to putting together a committee uh, to investigate China. What uh, is the latest on that? 
Yeah, well, I mean, China is going to be in the news for lots and lots of reasons going forward. But, uh, you know, one of the big things that House Republicans want to do is very much look into the origins of the coronavirus and uh, China's role in that. So this is something that they have telegraphed for a long time, something talked about during the campaign. But none of that entirely surprising. But there are also just a whole host of things that are happening in the here and now, not in 2019, that uh, are of... Uh, you know, very uh, grave concern for the United States, not the least of which is the militarization uh, of China in a way that uh, could threaten Taiwan or even threaten Japan. Japan right now is, uh, for example, talking about uh, spending considerably amount uh, or a considerable amount of more money on their own defenses. Uh, In South Korea, of course, a huge U.S. ally is very, very concerned about uh, the rise of China. Meanwhile, China is dealing with what by all accounts is a a very terrible situation as it relates to COVID-19 with widespread outbreaks and and numerous, numerous deaths uh, as as things seem to be returning to some semblance of normalcy here in the United States and in Canada. Uh, China's experiencing just a a wildly different and and very tragic situation there, too. So there are multiple points of, uh, of interest, and just naming a few here, in terms of the United States' relationship with China. And then the economics of it all, too, you know, China is a massive trading partner with the United States. So that oftentimes is going to color many of the decisions about how the United States deals with China, given this very awkward relationship that we have where we depend on China to a great degree and vice versa. But yet are, if not straight up enemies are definitely adversaries in other different ways. Also in Kevin McCarthy's first week, uh, I don't know if he said this, Dave, or if this was just passed uh, passed around. But is there three? There are three members of Congress that Kevin McCarthy will not put on committees. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it, it might. It, this is going to be a funny dance uh, because uh, there, there, there's this jockeying that takes place every congressional session as to. Who's going to be on what committee and who's going to get a plum chairmanship, but not just chairpersonship, but subcommittee chairpeopleship. So this is something that is all being hashed out right now. And uh, also, too, you've got Kevin McCarthy making uh, some uh, some definite enemies uh, over the past couple of weeks, uh, just given the uh, unprecedented speakership fight, at least over the past century. We had never seen anything like that. It went to 15 ballots for Kevin McCarthy to even become speaker. But yes, you know, he's got the option to and the power, at least at this point, to kind of lead those negotiations and determine who is going to be in and who's going to be out. So stay tuned to exactly where everyone is going to land or for that matter, not land. And and the backdrop here, too, is remember that uh, there are some um, definite hurt feelings uh, about people such as Marjorie Taylor Greene being ripped off committees before. I mean, she, by all accounts, is going to be back in and uh, in, in the good graces of the Republican Party when Democrats had an opportunity the last time around to uh, to basically uh, kind of cut them off at the knees. Uh, and, uh, you know, Matt Gates is going to be somebody, too, who uh, you should absolutely keep an eye on as to whether he is going to be marginalized by Kevin McCarthy, particularly just uh, given the huge, huge amount of trouble that Matt Gates, representative from the state of Florida, um, gave for Kevin McCarthy and making it uh, very, very difficult for him to become speaker and imperiling his uh, presumptive speakership uh, to the point where we were all wondering for a solid week whether Kevin McCarthy indeed would become speaker, which, of course, he ultimately did.
I have another Congress question for you, Dave, but I'm going to end the interview with that Congress question. So we will go back to the Congress before we are done talking. Uh, I do want to well. I, I do want to kind of dip back to the White House, but also Senate, because there was uh, a belief at some point during this week uh, that the federal government was going to push to ban gas stoves as they have done here, as they're going to do here in New York State. Now, Senator Joe Manchin was very quick to speak out against that. And then the White House said, no, that's not our intention. What happened with the ban and then not ban of gas stoves? <laughs> well, the, the governmental entity, there, there was one person on, on uh, the uh, consumer panel that uh, is effectively overseeing um, you know, all different types of uh, consumer products uh, and, and whatnot across the country and made a comment that uh, he thought that gas stoves should be banned. But that was not representative of the entire panel. It was certainly not representative of what the federal government would do. And even though there's been a huge, huge row about this uh, over the past several days, the federal government doesn't have the ability really in in any shape to ban gas stoves or or other types of appliances or consumer products. Um, You know, I think one thing that a lot of people think is the case is that the federal government had banned uh, other very, you know, noxious or toxic um, chemicals or minerals or whatnot. And I think of asbestos. Well, asbestos is still legal. You can still import it in the United States. You just can't mine it. So I think that's an example of how difficult it actually is for the federal government to just completely say, no, you can't do something. And I mean, practically speaking, how are you going to how are you going to get rid of gas stoves in this country? I mean, there are millions and millions of people who have it. It's not like, uh, you know, the federal government's going to go around and start tearing stoves out of people's kitchens. So, yes, there are things that they can do to uh, incentivize people using other types of stoves. Uh, there are things that it can do to uh, to reduce emissions or call for more efficiency, uh, for example, or safety that, that would be applied to such appliances. But yeah, you know, I've, I've read and seen and heard lots and lots of comments about uh, how how dire a situation it is, and it seems to be uh, grossly overblown, uh, as many things in politics uh, sometimes are, Joe. And we have another announcement when it comes to the 2024 election, Dave, and this is keeping it in the Senate. Uh, Representative Katie Porter of California has uh, announced her intention to run for Senate in 2024. However, it is not known what current Senator Dianne Feinstein will do. She is 89, uh, and she has not made an announcement if she will run or not. Is it possible we are going to see a primary in the state of California with the incumbent and the challenger? That That is a possibility. And, and until the current senator, Diane Feinstein, says that she is in or out, that's going to be a big question mark, and we're not going to know. What I can tell you is that my previous newsroom, Insider, we did a lot of reporting around Senator Dianne Feinstein. There had been uh, several stories that uh, my colleagues had written about how in interviews and whatnot, she just uh, seemed to not know the answers to various very simple questions uh, or even know what she was voting on uh, at some point uh, in time. And it was very clear that she was struggling uh, with certain responsibilities and duties in her job and that it was fair to call in question whether she is going to be able for another six years, if she gets reelected, to hold down the duties 
of that office when she's representing tens of millions of people because she is a senator of the most populous state in the nation, the state of California. So the fact that somebody already has come out and Katie Porter is a notable member of Congress and from the state of California, that she's already coming out and saying, yes, I am going to run against Diane Feinstein in a Democratic primary. This is not as if she's going to be running in a general election. Uh, that That's a big, bold move and really speaks to what uh, is sort of the writing on the wall here, that even if Diane Feinstein does decide to run again, and I think it is becoming more and more unlikely that she will, that uh, there is going to be competition. And if she doesn't run, that there's going to be a whole lot of competition because there are any number of different politicians in California. And I can think of Representative uh, Adam Schiff being one of them, uh, Ro Khanna, uh, who's a very, you know, far left member of the Democratic Party, uh, one of the most progressive, I, I think it's fair to say, that, that there's going to be two, three, four, five, six, seven different challengers for that seat running in a Democratic primary for that open seat if it does become open ultimately. And as I promised, Dave, back to Congress earlier in the week, I was watching uh, Congress uh, just you know, it was on one of the screens. I was waiting for a guest to call and they were currently on the floor and I was watching just to get an idea of what was going on. And, you know, people were asking for their minute to speak and they were speaking on a wide variety of topics, but all including current legislation. I want to know how normal this is. Someone asked for a minute on the floor to wish their son happy birthday. And I had never seen anything like that before. Is that common on the floor of Congress? It, it is more common than you might think. Okay. Now, taking a, a point of personal privilege to that extreme yeah, it can, can be a little unseemly. But if you go back and you might want to look, if you are curious about this issue, into the C-SPAN archives, if you really want to nerd out or whatnot, and, and see what people talk about. But, yeah, you know, I've, I've heard members of Congress congratulate the, you know, the the high school, local high school volleyball team from uh, somewhere in their district, uh, winning a state championship or other types of things that are hyper-local and would be uh, of no national interest whatsoever, but may mean something to their constituents. So those one-minute speeches that members can give, they have very, very wide berth. And I should note, too, that a couple of these happened uh, in an issue and a topic that uh, will hit very, very close home to southern Ontario and western New York, uh, which is a couple of members of Congress uh, made a, uh, a quick one-minute speech uh, just uh, noting the uh, first responders and the Buffalo Bills trainers who came out to save the life of uh, DeMar Hamlin. And, uh, and, and that was on the floor of Congress over the past several days. So, again, it's a uh, it's a privilege that's given to members of Congress. They can use that time pretty much as they see fit. And if they start uh, going on about their daughter's birthday or <laughs> or their, their grandma's uh, anniversary or whatnot, uh, there's kind of nobody there to stop them if they choose to do so. I did want to say it was heartwarming to see while I was uh, watching that members uh, mention DeMar Hamlin, give you know a, a prayer for DeMar Hamlin or recognize, as you said, the trainers. And, and we're talking about represent obviously the representatives from New York were doing that, but even representatives from all over the country. When I turned it on, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee was on uh, talking about DeMar Hamlin. I thought that was very heartwarming to see, you know, at a time where Congress is not known for coming together and being bipartisan, it was everyone on the floor um, praying for and celebrating the return home of uh, DeMar Hamlin. I thought that was uh, very heartwarming to see. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we bipartisanship is awfully hard to find, uh, but that is uh, definitely one thing that, that united a whole lot of people, not uh, just in Western New York, and but all across the country, and yes, even on the floors of Congress. Well, Dave, obviously, we are about uh, an hour away from kickoff. What are your thoughts for the big game this afternoon? I, I fear it's going to be a little closer than people would like it, uh, that this is not going to be a game that's won by 20 or 30 points, although I hope it is. Uh, hey, I... I'll take a safety victory in overtime if it ultimately comes down to that. It means that the Bills are going to move on because, hey, just just win. And but uh, yeah, I think we're uh, we're, we're going to have a a good feeling at the end of this game and uh, onward and upward into uh, what I hope is going to be a a remarkable postseason for all of us. Yeah, a yeah, big Bills win today, and uh, I know it's not popular, but I'm rooting for a Ravens win tonight. I, I know, hey, good teams have to beat good teams, but come on, I I want a little bit of an easier opponent. Uh, next week, but you know, be be careful what you wish for, I guess. Totally. Go Bills. Go Bills, Dave. Dave Leventhal, the soon-to-be editor-in-chief at Raw Story. One segment to go here on Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 